What's going on, guys? This is Michael back with The Political Pulse, episode one. Uh, we're about 34 minutes away from the first presidential debate of the 2020 cycle. Very exciting. Um, I just want to pop on quick and talk about what I think each candidate needs to do tonight to, um, one, appeal to the base, but two, obviously, you cannot win without those all-important, what I consider 10 to 12% of pure independent voters um, that obviously will will make or break this uh, this race that is now just about five weeks away. So um, the the aura surrounding the debate has been that Trump is definitely have an upper hand with the debate. Biden is not a great debater anymore. He seems slow. That's that's kind of the messaging that's that's been surrounding both candidates, um, which I think is. Very, very dangerous for for President Trump. I think it's going to be um, definitely uh, the onus is going to be on him to prove himself uh, as a debater. It's not on Biden, I don't think, Um, since the expectations for Biden are incredibly low at this point. Even if he comes out unscathed, he's going to come out the winner. And I think that's kind of unfortunate for uh, for Trump and for the Trump campaign is that they've kind of branded Biden as this um, really not as an elite debater as he used to be. So if he comes out looking even remotely unscathed, um, you know, he could come out looking victorious without even mentioning any substantial policy positions. So that's something to look for today is, um, you know, the expectations for Biden just being naturally lower um, could actually end up giving him an advantage if, if he makes you know, some good points and really doesn't get huh, ran over by Donald Trump too much. Um, what Donald Trump needs to do tonight to perform well, I think, is simple. Um, he needs to stay on message. Um, we know from, obviously, his experience from in politics from basically May of 2015 to the current moment, he is unpredictable. He has been described by his debate team as uncoachable. I tend to believe that he is actually uncoachable, and I don't think that you can really coach him. Even as much as anybody might want to, he is who he is. He speaks his mind no matter what somebody tells him to say. He's going to tell you what he's thinking. Uh, And that could be either to his benefit or to his peril, depending on what the topic is. Now, um, the last thing Donald Trump wants to do is focus on the coronavirus for the entire segment, for the entire 90 minutes. And Obviously, what the Biden camp is going to want to do is the complete opposite. They're going to want to focus on coronavirus as much as possible because it is Donald Trump's weak spot. Donald Trump really needs to pivot back to the economy, I think, to have a successful debate tonight. He needs to pivot back to the economy, prove that the country was doing exceptionally well in terms of job numbers, in terms of GDP growth um, before March, before COVID hit. And he basically needs to brand his messaging as America is on the comeback. Um, It's coming back strong. And the only person that can stop it is a Biden presidency. That's basically if if I'm Donald Trump's debate prep, I'm saying this is what you need to drill home is that we're in a recovery right now. Times are still tough. Um, You know, there's going to be a jobs report coming out at the beginning of October. It's going to be good, presumably. Uh, all indications lean towards that. You need to push that as your main messaging. Um, and obviously, Joe Biden needs to counter that by saying, 
listen, Main Street is hurting. Um, you know, and that and that is always the Democrats' message is that Main Street is hurting, but the elites are doing well. But particularly now, if Biden wants to do well in the debate, he needs to drill into the fact that Main Street is not feeling good at this moment and that he's the one that can sympathize with Main Street. He needs to be Scranton Joe tonight. He needs to prove himself as uh, the candidate of the people that Donald Trump basically took away from Hillary Clinton in the 2016 election, particularly in the Rust Belt states. He needs to prove himself to be Scranton Joe once again. Um, As for the moderator, Chris Wallace, uh, I think, put out an interesting thing today that I just wanted to touch on. He said that he wanted to be, quote, invisible within the debate, which I think is definitely a fantastic idea if you're uh, going to be a moderator for a presidential debate. You want to act as if you are not even there. That is how all moderators should be. Um, from the 2016 cycle, I think that the moderators were terrible in 2016, to be completely honest with you. I thought that they were ideologues. The vast majority of them were ideologues. I did not think that they had um, objective questioning uh, lined up. I thought that they were kind of gotcha questions most of the time for both candidates, for both candidates. And I don't think they really got um, got the best out of the candidates in 2016. Hopefully 2020 will be better. Um, so, so I'm hopeful on that end. I think Chris Wallace did a fine job in 2016. We'll see what happens in 2020. Um, just logistics wise, it'll be, it'll be interesting to, to witness the, um, the lack of a handshake between the two candidates. That is definitely new. Um, it's the, I was about to say that it's the first time since 1960, um, that there won't be a presidential handshake. Obviously 1960 is the year when, uh, televised debates started um, with Nixon and uh, John F. Kennedy. But I uh, I re- was reminded by in 2016 after, um, you know, Billy Bush weekend, which is, you know, obviously the weekend that the Access Hollywood came out about Donald Trump. And, and you know, everybody thought he was going to lose the election after that. Um, Hillary Clinton did not shake Donald Trump's hand after I think I think it was the second debate did not uh, shake Donald Trump's hand. I thought it was poignant. Um, but obviously there will be no handshake between uh, President Trump and Joe Biden this time around for a very different reason, for COVID reasons. Um, but it's just, it's interesting to watch um, that it'll be very, very different optics this time. Um, the audience is also limited. I don't know the specific number. I want to say it was either 70 or 90 uh, that's down from, I think, several hundred. Um, and I, th- I would presume that they have them spaced with uh, social distancing uh, regulations. I'm, I'm not completely sure on that. Um, so the debate will be 90 minutes. I think Chris Wallace did a good job of um, choosing good debate topics. Um, obviously, one that we wouldn't have been talking about that wasn't going to be a debate topic two weeks ago that will now be a de- debate topic is the Supreme Court with the death of uh, Justice Ginsburg. Um, week and a half ago, um, and obviously the subsequent nomination of Amy Coney Barrett to replace her. Um, that was not going to be a segment before last, uh, no, a week and a half ago on Friday when Justice Ginsburg died. Now it's become a new issue. Um, so, you know, obviously that's going to play into, uh, Trump is going to try and use that to his advantage, especially with his base. Uh, the evangelical Christians, um, you know, charismatic Catholics, they love Amy Barrett. They really do. 
and they want to see her on the Supreme Court. Um, Trump picked her for the base. He knows that it's good for his base. He knows his base loves it. Um, and the Democrats, uh, it's interesting to see how the Democrats are going to respond to this because they could go one of two ways. They could either become, um, you know, put up a good fight and kind of, uh, kind of Kavanaugh the whole idea and try to throw a monkey wrench into it. Or they could kind of play it a little more subdued and, you know, many of them, uh, even in the leadership in the Senate, have kind of conceded that they can't stop the confirmation. So it'll be interesting to see which approach kind of prevails, whether or not they'll take more of the subdued, accepted defeat, which they risk at that point demoralizing their own liberal base um, just a few weeks before the election, um, or whether they kind of go at the throat and try to uh, try to block the nomination. So that'll be interesting to see. But the point is um, something that wasn't even thought of being a debate topic um, even two weeks ago is now very much in the minds of voters. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, so we talked about the, the pandemic. Obviously, that's going to be one segment. The economy is going to be another segment. The Trump-Biden record. I think that that's a very interesting topic for um, for debate, mostly because it's broad. Um I think this is Donald Trump's best, uh, one of his best segments that he can perform in. If if I'm Donald Trump, I'm using this segment to hammer Joe Biden on trade, and particularly NAFTA. If I'm Donald Trump's debate coach, I'm telling him, Joe Biden, are you Scranton Joe who voted for NAFTA and, you know, shipped millions of American jobs, um, you know, to Mexico and to Canada? Or do you support the USMCA, which was passed last year, signed into law by the president? Donald Trump's uh, trade policy is one of his strongest points to tout. Even Democrats can see that's true. And I would say on the flip side of that, Joe Biden's trade policy is probably one of his weakest spots. He voted for NAFTA, which is terribly unpopular in the country right now. Um, yes, he supports the USMCA, which is, you know, a difficult position to take considering it was championed by the person you're trying to unseat as president. So trade is definitely, I think, something that Donald Trump needs to talk about, uh, in, in the Biden Trump record. And obviously, uh, I think Biden is going to use that same segment to point out Donald Trump's quote unquote failures with coronavirus. So it'd be interesting to see, uh, you know, how each candidate kind of takes that broad topic and runs with it. What they choose to do with it will be will be very interesting. Um, now, I think a lot of people, uh, you know, Frank Lunds, we all, we all, I'm sure if you're interested in politics as much as I am, you know who Frank Lunds is. He does focus groups with, uh, usually he takes, I don't know, it's probably different now with the COVID restrictions, but he used to take about 30 or 40 people and stick them in a room with dials of approval or disapproval during a presidential debate and used to track, these are pure independent voters, undecided voters, and used to track uh, whether when a candidate is speaking, whether you agree with the what they're saying or you disagree. And it, you know, it would go up in a line continually, go up with support, go down with support. Um, I, I'm looking to see uh, post-debate what the focus groups say. I think that there are a good amount of undecided people still out there. I know it sounds crazy to 
ideologues, um, you know, people who are very partisan. How can you be undecided in, in these polarizing times? But, um, you know, there are always undecided voters and that's no different this cycle. They're going to decide the election. It is a lot closer than people might think. Definitely when it comes state to state basis, the, the popular vote um, might be, you know, a wider margin. But um, this race is still completely volatile. And um, debates have the ability to give or to stop momentum. Now, no candidate has a particularly high amount of momentum at this point. Donald Trump, you could argue, has a little bit of negative momentum from the the tax uh, bombshell, I'll call it, about him paying you know, little in taxes. Um, now, you take that as you might, but, um, you know, a debate can turn stuff around like that in an instant. Um, and that's something I forgot to mention, too, that I think, uh, you know, that was a revelation that was uh, surfaced just a few days ago. I think uh, Vice President Biden is going to try and uh, hammer that home, too. Um, you know, you have people paying substantial amount of taxes, uh, nurses, firefighters, police officers, and Donald Trump isn't paying his fair share. That's going to be, I think, a, a theme, recurring theme for the last five weeks of the campaign, but he's going to try and hammer that home in the debate as well. I think it might be a very effective point, too, if I'm uh, Joe Biden's debate coach. So, uh, you know, that's all I really want to talk about tonight. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. Um, it'll be interesting to see the body language by uh, President Trump and by Joe Biden, um, whether it's kind of a friendly atmosphere. I don't anticipate it being too friendly. Um, that's not really how our politics are right now. It's very divisive out there. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't <laughs> that camaraderie that we that we're normally used to seeing in uh, you know presidential uh, debates. So I'll be back uh, hopefully tomorrow with my uh, post-debate analysis. Um, I'm going to try and jot down points on what each candidate says. And, um, you know, I'll come back with, uh, with who I think won, of course, and uh, who I think is going to get a little bit of a bump out of this. I think there definitely will be a bump. We'll see, it, uh, you know, who it is. So I hope you take time to watch the debate. I think it's important as citizens of this great country that we uh, – watch who our potential leaders could be, debate uh, the future of our country. It's important for us. So I'm hoping you uh, take some time to tune in tonight. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you later.